This week we've got an interesting masterclass from Boris Mitic. Boris is a documentary filmmaker from Belgrade in Serbia. And in his own words, he's lived on a few continents, fought a war, settled back in Belgrade, worked for five years for top-level international media, understood some things, and dedicated the rest of his life to creative parenting, creative documentaries, and creative football. Lectures worldwide on the real politique of documentary filmmaking and write satirical columns for Docs and Playboy. Um, the highlights I've selected uh, are mainly around Boris talking about his film festival strategy and self-promotion techniques and that sort of thing. He very amusingly also talks through the different types of filmmakers that there are out there and commissioning editors and how to get their attention. That's definitely um, amusing stuff. Anyway, let's uh, let's get started. Uh, at my first festival, the first festival I, I went to was a festival where uh, you know the film became so popular uh, on the kind of black market that people convinced me, oh, send it to festivals, and I never knew what festivals were. So I typed in in Netscape, I typed the documentary film festival, and uh, you know names started popping up, and the next one in line was. ITFA, Amsterdam, and they sent two VHS cassettes, and I had no idea what it was, like ITFA, whatever. And, uh, and it got selected there uh, among 1,800 other films. Uh, only 20 entered among 1,800. So I still don't know uh, today if this uh, is because all the people in the selection committee had this car, this very... Uh, exotic car in their youth, whether they all uh, have a fantasy on gypsies, whether they needed a film uh, from the Balkan region, whether uh, they needed a funny film, or whether uh, the film is a masterpiece. I still don't know, but uh, it's just that it worked and it was selected there. And uh, when I went there, I made this, I said, okay, well, we have to, I imagine that there will be many people and let's, we have to show them somehow that the film exists. I never went to a festival before. Uh, and I made these kind of flyers. So there were little bookmarks. There are four of them. I just put them all in one screen. And on one of them were the cars, the kids, and some shots from the film. And on the back of each, it was just in black. It was written, please recycle. So people would. Uh, and I noticed, and I would put them, and I went, when I went to Italy, I noticed that everybody had these different, um, different, uh, these different sides. I mean, it stood out because everybody had postcards and A4 papers, and this was a, like a non-standard size. So lesson number three, uh, use non-standard formatted uh, uh, promotional devices. And it was more colorful than everybody else. And everybody used them as bookmarks in the catalog. And, and everybody saw uh, everybody else using it as bookmarks, and then it, it, became, it became like a thing, and then everybody wanted to see. And then when they started seeing the film, they was, oh yeah, it's a funny film. And then I don't have, I have another. The, the next series of posters that I printed, uh, I just put one quote on top. Uh, it, it, it said, uh, one of the two funny films this year at IFA. And this is this is the most successful like like promo line that I could have written, you know? and because 
you know, people are so desperate for, for, for funny documentaries, for like humor in, in, in real life that it's, it, it, it worked like a charm. Your, your, your main best lesson, if you, if you attend uh, a film festival, go watch the posters. And in the hallway, you know, don't uh, drink for nothing, but drink and uh, read the little uh, logos here. Uh, each of these represents certain televisions, certain institutions, and, and over time you will realize, you will understand which types of films can fit in, uh, uh, in, 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 in certain channels, in certain places, in certain funding, uh, and which type of unusual institutions could finance unusual films. Uh, one uh, very, uh, I'm, I'm very happy that you're taking notes. Uh, because this is the, uh, it's inspiring for me as a, as a speaker, but also it's, it's very good for you because, you know, it's an incredible amount of knowledge that we waste by not taking it down and organizing it and re recycling it. I mean, we are just, uh, we, are, we are functionally illiterate without uh, reusing our knowledge. and. Uh, it's incredible how, especially in, in a business like documentary filmmaking, when you go back to your notes, very often I go back to my entire notes from, for, from forever, and, and then I see how it applies to, to the new films that I'm making, or to the new ideas I have in my mind. So, but most importantly, it, it frees your, it, it liberates your RAM memory uh, for processing rather than for storage. In a way. You know you have stored those ideas somewhere, especially if your notes are organized well, and then you can, uh, uh, you can, you can concentrate on, on, on using them. So uh, gathering knowledge from anywhere is, uh, uh, is a must, really. I, uh, you, know, you can get, off, off the record, you can get entire libraries of like hundreds of the latest film books in PDF format out of certain torrent and file sharing sites. That's like the entire department, like the entire shelf of film books uh, that this library has is online and available. You can go, uh, uh, you, you have uh, uh, entire um, YouTube channels full of master classes where people are paying a lot of money to go to, uh, which are filmed and broadcasted in their entirety. You, uh, you have bloggers who, in order to, be, uh, to stand out, are publishing totally exclusive information, which again, you would pay hundreds of dollars, euros, pounds, or yens to, uh, to hear and, and, and to even, even get, get near this place. Um, uh, knowledge is absolutely accessible and there's no, there's no uh, um, no excuse uh, not not to get it, and there's no there should be no moral problems in finding it. I go often to before I discover these file sharing sites for books, I would go to libraries in all those festivals and to university libraries and to big bookshops, and I would take a photo camera and I would photo photos uh, photograph entire books, and I would read them from my kind of uh, photographs. Uh, I, uh, I, have, I have this theory, the way uh, I have this theory called the theory of exponential growth, which started with, um, uh, which, up, which I applied first to my music collection in, in my high school days, 
which says that if you have one exclusive item that nobody else has, you can grow an entire collection from it. Because you take this exclusive item, so you invest all your savings into one record, and nobody else has that record. And you go with, you go with the big guys, with the big collectors, and they all look at you, hmm, you're interesting. You're more interesting than this guy who has like 100 records, but we all have them already. So, so you, you, you get to join the club with this one exclusive piece of information. And then you share it with somebody, and then you take from them two more quite rare pieces of stuff. And that's how you, 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 be, you build, uh, uh, by starting by having like the most exclusive items, a few of them, and then you, you, uh, you expand, and in the end you have like a fantastic music collection, and you're a long-time friend with all the big collectors, and it works. This is how, in a way, it's possible to share information also about anything, including the insider secrets of the, of the documentary film industry, which is, you know, like if you have one piece of information and if you share it with somebody, if that person really needs it, they will tell you five things that they know and that they won't tell anybody else. You know. In general, people are very nice in the documentary film world and they will always tell you up to two pieces of information that they usually won't tell anybody else. You know, like if you approach them nicely, they see, okay, you know. But of course, then they see, don't be abusive either. But still, if you, if you get two pieces of inf information from one person, no, no, and after 100 festivals and like 10 <coughs> times 20 people that, you people that you meet, and if you're careful in taking your notes down and putting them together, then you have a pretty good picture uh, and quite a, quite a good insider uh, insight about what, uh, what the documentary uh, film industry looks like. I have this USB stick, which is scripted for, uh, again, off the record, to, <laughs> uh, uh, to, to pick up all the data from, from somebody's computer uh, that's related to uh, film, with all the keywords which are related to film. So you leave your computer, I plug it in, in five minutes, I, I, it sucks out everything. It's not true, of course, but it's imagine that, imagine that it could be. I mean, that's the attitude that, that so it was on there. So, but that's the attitude that you should have, really, because, you know, like just uh, if you manage to get access to, to a, like a producer's computer, you can, you can learn so many things that, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very basic knowledge. I mean, if, if, you, if you understand, it will take you years and years to understand uh, their mathematics. You know, what, what's, you know, they'll be very nice. They'll be, have all the, all the, 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 you know, like the hypocritical and all the kind of half mystifying uh, uh, blah, blah, without telling you what's the real mathematics of, of, of production. But, okay, you don't need to, you know, like, steal their computers, but you can, you can get this type of information in other ways, or little by little, and then share it with others, and then once you realize uh, how documentary production functions, then it's a whole, new, uh, a whole new reality in front of you. Then you start thinking in terms of numbers, in terms of, like, uh, in terms of production, and then you can reposition yourself in this, in this world. So taking notes, yeah, 15, 16 different uh, models of filmmakers. 
And if you look, uh, you, you can find yourselves in there. You can find any colleague, you can find any film that you watched, any filmmaker that you know, you can find it in there. So, um, so we'll go one by one. This one is the calculating careerist. He is the guy who, uh, who is just, uh, who's ready to do anything uh, just to, to add as many selling points to his film. He's combining symbols, values, uh, audiences. He's just trying to, to maximize the, the profit value of this film. This guy here is the allegorical commentator. He put, makes a synopsis, which he makes a very simple film, but he mystifies it by adding in a metaphorical component to it. He says he makes a film about insects, and he says this is a film about 21st century Europe, <laughs> or, or, or about migration, or about working rights, or about women's rights, or whatever. And then if, when he manages to mystify things like this in a synopsis, and we'll come back to the importance of good synopsis uh, later, if he manages to get that buzz going, people will be totally ready to believe, uh, and their minds will be open to such suggestions, which is very important. So this guy is not stupid. So here, see, he, he's sailing in a, in a basic ship, but he's pretending it's Noah's Ark, you know. And uh, people, oh, okay, it's very deep, uh, minimalistic, Iranian uh, fiction film, very artistic, you know. A film about nothing. A film about nothing. No, I'm very honest. You know, I say I make a film about nothing. I'm not trying to, you know, mystify it. But I, you, you will find me there. Don't worry. Uh, the third guy here is the I call him the half-breed apparatchik. Apparatchik is is a member of the bureaucratical machine in kind of Soviet Eastern European terminology, and we call him half-breed because he's. He would like to be outside of the system, but he doesn't have the guts to leave the system. It's like pe these people who are working for television, who always say, oh, yes, it has to be so nice if I could go and make a film that I want to make, but they, they never do. They stay in, the, they stay in their safe uh, corporate environments. Uh, this guy here is the hyper-local talent. He's like, so local, like, no, he, does, he never gets out of the, of the neighborhood. The misunderstood genius is so brilliant that nobody, nobody else can understand it. <laughs> the, um, uh, the carte blanche veteran, he is making, you know, a hundred years old and still making films about his grandmother, you know, getting automatic <laughs> funds every time. The agoraphobic outsider is a person who is afraid to, to go out and network and take the stage. Which is very unfortunate, and people have real so many people have problems with with uh, public appearances and communication, and especially you know running after people for money and selling themselves. But today it's impossible to, to do otherwise. So uh, they remain outsiders, kind of uh, for for a long time. Uh, this guy here is the um, old school cynic. Is these people who think, oh, filmmaking stopped in the 70s. Everything that's made afterwards is pointless. You are wasting your time. This is not worth anything. You, know, you, you always have people like this in academic environments in many countries, uh, in uh, TV, uh, high, high positions on television, and so on. Um, number nine is the, the blue chip do-it-all. 
you know, the guy who will do anything just for a small cash. He will film anything, he will do anything, he has no moral dilemmas, no, uh, no problems, he lives like a happy, disconnected life, just, you know, working for wages and films. Uh, number 10 is the, the late coming prosecutor is the guy who is films like very important dramatic issues but with a safe time delay. That's you know many many that, that's how many channels, institutions, uh, governments, uh, ideologies kind of clean their consciousness as you know they show something but when at, at a point where it's impossible to change it. Uh, big problem in documentary filmmaking also. Uh, number twelve, ah, the passive, the passive skeptic. Eleven. Eleven is the lo oh, eleven is me, the lone multitasker. <laughs> the lone multitasker uh, is a guy who does everything on his own, and the more he does things on his own, the more he or she is unable to delegate tasks to other people, and therefore she remains even more alone. Yeah. I mean, I wish, I just wish, I don't have an ego problem at all, I just don't, cannot find people to, to share, to, you know, to, to share this type of energy and motivation, and even when you pay them they, uh, properly, and even if you motivate them, it's very difficult to, uh, so I, I'm only starting now with these remote DPs to, to kind of, but only because it's, uh, this film came at the right point in their lives also, if you remember the timing moment. Uh, number 12 is the passive skeptic who believes that nothing, uh, it, it, it will be very difficult that things work out, so let's not even try them. Yeah. And, you know, then they complain, they know everything about cinema, but they never try to do anything. Uh, number 13 is the co-producer's protege. You know, co-production involves a lot of compromises. And uh, uh, everybody's pulling, uh, strings towards their side, their vision. So, and then you have the, the, the film director who's supposed to have the last, who's supposed to be the director of the film. But the co-producers want to, you know, their interests. They have certain interests in them. So they love the type of directors which will say, okay, you want this, well, I'll do it for you. You want this, I'll do it for you. You want this, I'll do it for you. As opposed to them, and, and of course they, they continue working with those people. So the co-producer's protege is a guy who has no problem accepting any type of demand from any type of, from any co-producer involved in the film. And on the other hand, you have people who are so strict about their principles that, that you know, you cannot touch them. And they would make much better films on a certain topic, but they are not uh, remotely controllable, in a way. So the co-producer's protege, and unfortunately, the biggest films are made by very uh, weak filmmakers who are very submissive. You, many films which are co-productions of 16, 15 countries, like global, like super global productions, are made by, by they will not ask uh, uh, people who have, I mean, they will not ask a Kosakovsky or Blauger to make this type of film, even though they could make a masterpiece. No, Kosakovsky makes his, the films that he has in his head, you know. Uh, but people, you know, like they say, okay, one, one from the BBC, one from NHK, one from this. Co-producer's protege, very sleazy character. And then uh, the personal exorcist is a guy who uh, feels that 
or a girl feels he, she or he or she must share all her demons with everybody else. You know, personal, family, shh. You know, that's the... So, I mean, do, do, can you, did, did I miss anything? Um, so these are the people, I mean, it's funny, but these are the people that you, know, you, you are afraid of, that we are afraid of. And why? You know, if you have your character, if you have your, at least if you know about them, uh, and if you have your personal, if you remember the personal reasons for making your film, then this is completely relevant. You don't even care, but you can switch to the next slide. In a big, uh, in, in Sheffield, I'm sure that you have like 30 seconds of attention at best. My theory, again, is that you should go to the smaller industry events to hunt for the big fish and go to the big ones to go after the small guys. Because, uh, you know, you cannot reach Nick Fraser or you, can, you cannot reach any Nick Fraser in, uh, at Infor Sheffield because there's like an army of people harassing them on the way to the toilet, inside the toilet, in, and outside the toilet. Uh, but in a, in, in, a, in a dead Czech town in the middle of uh, autumn, uh, you know, in the provincial uh, deserted uh, town which were which happens to host a film festival, uh, Nick Fraser is nobody. And nobody is kind of, you know, he can walk like two streets and nobody will uh, pay attention to him. So then you, if you just happen to run into him, you say, oh, let's go to this bar and you spend the afternoon drinking beer with him. Uh, which leads most of the time, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're reasonable enough, you know, it leads to fantastic long-term contacts, if nothing else. So I made my best contacts in these small, uh, small events, but then you go to the big ones, the hectic ones, like ITFA with 2,000 industry guests, and there you will never get a chance to speak to these people. You'll say, oh yeah, hi, guys, ciao. But you get to, uh, there you get to, you go after the small guys. The small guys, representative from TV stations from these red, pink, light blue countries, or smaller producers who are big in their offices or big in their countries, but when they come to ITFA, they are lost. They are completely, you know, their, their whole authority idea uh, starts shaking. And then you, you come to rescue them because you know who they are. You come and you, you know, and you, you've done your homework, and I will show you how, and you, and immediately their ego explodes, they love you and they buy a film. <laughs> so, commissioning editor archetypes. This is what happens, you get to the pitch, uh, you go, you get your seven minutes, uh, they're all supposed to uh, listen to you very attentively, and they do, because they have a moderator who can ask any of them at any time uh, what they think about your film. And nobody wants to be stupid uh, in front of, you know, and unattentive in front of their colleagues, so they're really attentive. So this is your seven minutes of total attention. Uh, we'll go to the, through the characters, you know, these, you always have one leader of the pack, an alpha male or an alpha female, who, whatever he says or she says, uh, 
really um, can make or break your career. If he says, oh, let's give this charming uh, couple, uh, like, okay, with two, with two little uh, signatures, we can uh, solve the film. And then it, they create this kind of uh, upbeat feeling. Or they say, no, I, I, I went once to that country and I was pickpocketed. <laughs> and you're dead, your career is dead, you know. It's, I mean, it's, it says more about the rest of the pack than, uh, than about the leader of the pack. But there's always one alpha figure in every group in general. Then you have the, I, this guy is called, I call him the beta guarantor. He's, the, he's, the, he's not as influential as, as the alpha leader, but uh, his opinion is well respected. So if he says, oh yes, it's a good film, uh, I trust the filmmaker. Uh, it can it can uh, encourage all these other people to 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 trust you. It gives you more credibility. They will give you uh, one minute more of attention when they meet you at an individual meeting, just because he said that yes, he, I support the project. This is the um, I call him the follower. They, they 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 everywhere the wind blows, they they go but they just stick to their chair. You know. uh, on the other hand, this is the dissident. He, he always you know, uh, says something against the pack. And my, my caricaturist was wonderful. He, he, he drew this little paper boat, <laughs> the owl, with, that's, that describes it, that describes it all. Uh, but and very, very brave, because these people have their own opinion. Sometimes they just do it to, uh, as a kind of attitude thing. But sometimes, uh, you know, it's a very brave, opposite voice to the common opinion. Uh, number, the next one is the structuralist. They always worry about the structure of the film. Uh, this is the, the ombudsman. He's worried about his audience. You know, will my audience get it? What is there for my audience? You know, and, and he's being totally uh, disrespectful of, 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 of us as an audience. You know, really treats us like idiots and, and really pushes people to do ridiculous things with their films in order to protect the audience. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the petty pre-buyer. Petty pre-buyer means he, he, he buys films for, for petty cash, like for, for, for like very small amounts, but he buys a lot of films. You see, he buys a lot of films for little money, which is okay. I mean, if you get 500 euros from Estonia, it's great. I mean, you get seen it's a small country, and uh, it's, many people will see it on television. 500 euros is big money. But he gets especially interesting if he's coming from a new European country, which brings additional media points uh, in your application for media funding, in which case he upgrades to become a media fertilizer. <laughs> Here is the media logo. So he, he kind of fertilizes your project with extra extra co-production points and you know this media system of funding they it's, it's based on points everything is quantified and one of the things that are quantified is the participation of different countries um, um, in uh, different countries from your uh, uh, how you manage to engage different countries to work together and the newer countries the newer the newer they are the newer members of the EU they are, the more points you get. So Estonia, or now next Croatia, will bring more points than Germany, almost. Even though like the contribution is irrelevant. So even though they bring five, Estonia was a big one for a while. 
So if, if they bring 500 euros for your film as a pre-buy, that, that may lead to 50,000 euros of European money, of media money. That's why they, they are there. And also it's cool, you know, to, I like to negotiate, you know, for 500 euros. It's, you know, it's respectful, kind of, it's, you know. Uh, this guy is the aspiring assistant. He believes, he dreams to be there one day. And, um, or to be in the chair of his boss. But, um, and one day he will really be in a, in a position of power. But he's usually, for now, he's being sent to an industry event after, for example, three editions. Uh, the big boss doesn't want to go there anymore. It's bothering him. Like, oh, it's repetitive. I don't want to go to this town in January, boring, uh, bad hotel. Uh, and uh, he sends the assistant. But it's good to know, get to know the assistant because they're much more accessible than the big boss. Uh, and because they have the weakness that you can exploit, not only one, but several. Uh, uh, and you will become, you will become their, uh, if you become the friend now, by the time they become big bosses, you will, uh, you will be an old friend of theirs. And you'll have like, this good access to them. And in the meantime, if you want to get to the big bosses, you're not gonna, you'll never reach uh, the big boss, but you, you can reach these guys. Uh, next. Um, Next to them is, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's the uh, austere sweetheart, uh, in the sense that uh, it's the person who has these ice-cold looks, usually Nordic, you know, or like they, they give you like, like you, you feel they have zero emotions that they've been lobotomized, uh, you know, forever. But then you talk to them after, like they show no emotions, but when you talk to them afterwards, they are the most sympathetic, most uh, human-loving, most emotional, most, you know, understand cinema. They're, like, incredible. So, you know, the facial expression don't mean much. On the opposite is these uh, frig frigid, frigid smileys who smile all the time. They sit on tons of money, but they never give you everything. Anyway. Uh, the silent sleeper is a, is a word borrowed from uh, terrorist terminology. And it implies um, people who keep quiet all the time. And you never know if they're quiet because they feel sleepy or they're not interested uh, or they're thinking. And every once in a while, they would come with some explosive comment. <laughs> and everybody says, wow. And they, but you, know, you, you, ex you don't expect them to say something all the time. But once in a while, the silence lip. A very interesting character because it really can f change things. Uh, this is the words. This is the. The, the smart-ass chronovore. Uh, chronovore means a person who eats time. Smart-ass means smart-ass. Uh, uh, in a pitch, you have seven minutes to present your project, and then they have seven minutes to ask you questions. But there's always somebody who wants to take advantage of your seven minutes, uh, the most important seven minutes of your career, uh, to impress their friends, their colleagues. So they start cracking jokes. They start saying things, uh, uh, this, uh, their impression about the film. They start uh, kind of making long introductions and to say basically nothing. In the end, you missed the, the, the eight, two minutes of your time. And you want to beat them up. And, uh, and there's not much you can do about them except, uh, uh, you know, not even, you know, if you are being, 
if you if you're being arrogant to them uh, as they deserve, uh, it creates a bad uh, you know everybody jumps in their defense because you're attacking a colleague, although they will say that you know he's being uh, uh, although they will say that you are right, but you know it, it just ruins your 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 Q and A. Uh, the the funambulist is the guy who works on the, who works on on the on the wire, and he always balances. He always where's the balance in the film? You know, they require absolute balance in the film, not shades of gray, but balance. Uh, this this guy is also quite evil in my drawing, but sometimes they do it in, with good intentions. It's called the not for my slot consultant. They will tell you like again, they will eat up two minutes, but but they will say, but it's not for my slot. <laughs> they will tell you how they like it, how they think it should be, na 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 na, but it's not for my slot. And then. Uh, the, one of the latest contributions here, I call him the, the cross-platform sine qua nonanist. Sine qua non means uh, uh, an absolute condition without which things will not happen. And onanist means nonanist. Uh, sine qua nonanist is, uh, is, a, is a guy who will say, I will give you money, but if you make a cross-platform version of the film. And you say, well, I don't need a cross-platform. <laughs> There's no point. No, no, no. Like The only way we give you money is to make a cross-platform something about the film. And, and the key word here is something. You know, I, I don't have anything against new technology, but you know, there's some people are being too deterministic uh, about, about, about the news. Did I miss anything? <laughs> um, so I, I go to IFA and I present this uh, to all of them, and they like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they say, oh, and you can hear them talking. You know, this is the Arte, the Arte boss, the big new boss of Arte. Oh, can I have this on my wall? <laughs> uh, so they are, they are aware of it. And the thing is that you, you, you want to, uh, you know, these people are not. Uh, they, we are not there here to serve them. They are here to serve us in a way. We are. Providing them with meaning, with uh, with salaries, in a way. I mean, these people are usually very uh, frustrated because they have other people above them, other bosses. So it's like middle-ranking officers in the army. They really like the psychological profile is it's not uh, nothing to be jealous of. Uh, and they also none of them are filmmakers, and they are supposed to be kind of oh, like supporting film in many ways, but you, you can feel that they have like a, a problem with, uh, with their unrealized fantasy of making films. So, so, I mean, there's really nothing to, I mean, just remember this picture next time you go and, 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 and you, uh, uh, you can, uh, I know, you, 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 should, you should always try to explain them that, uh, try, try to make them understand, not to explain, try to, try to make them understand conclude themselves that they will lose something if they don't, uh, they will lose something if they don't participate in your film. I always come, look, I'm gonna make this film with or without you. you know, if you come, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Making this film is a lot of fun. So if you come, you're welcome, and you, it'll be fun for you too if you don't. And in the end, they, they, and they always downplay the importance of the whole thing. I make jokes about, you know, they know that I made, everybody knows that I made this, so they know that I'm, uh, I'm observing them <laughs> kind of all the time. So they are a little, but it works, mm -hmm. it works. 
in general, uh, yeah, this type of humor works. If you're trying to be too intellectual at, uh, during a pitch, it doesn't work because then, then they feel uh, a little bit disturbed again if you're too, too smart in your project. Uh, somebody said, uh, don't talk to my head or I will start analyzing you. That was an advice that they gave. You know, talk to their hearts, rather. Talk to their emotions. And it's incredible how many bullshit fake projects get commissioned and get financed just because people suddenly lose their intellectual firewalls. I say, oh, this would be so nice if it were true. They know it's not true, but they say it would be so nice. They focus on it would be so nice. And they finance the film. And in normal conditions, if they were not emotionally touched by the, by the pitch, they would say, oh, wait, but this doesn't make sense. This is important. You cannot film this. This is contradictory. Forget it. You know, go back uh, and, 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 and into development and research. But no, they, it works. And just because they've been emotionally involved, they are, they are, they are buying films. Okay, hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening. Um, next week, we've an interview between me and... Uh, American filmmaker Jessica Oreck. Uh, it's good stuff, so make sure to check that out. Plenty of past episodes too to get involved in if you can. Uh, iTunes and SoundCloud, all on there. Get subscribing, sharing, and all that. So keep listening and uh, hope these classes are beneficial. Um, and get in touch even if you want to provide some feedback. Um, you can just email me, Duncan at scottdoc.com. I'm happy to let you know um, what's coming up or. Um, what we're doing and the videos as well are available under the usual masterclasses tab on scottdoc.com also Boris's website I should mention is dribblingpictures.com so check that out for more info on Boris and his films anyway until next time take it easy